Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. From Mamma Mia, I'm Gemma Bath, filling in for Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Right now, we have a globally shared fear of catching the virus that's brought the world to its knees, of catching a virus that's killed more than 680,000 people and is showing no signs of slowing down. But what happens once you test positive to COVID-19? Today, we're going to talk about how differently the virus can present, about how ostracising and shameful it can feel, and about the weekly calls Marika's been getting from the hospital begging her for her blood. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Over the weekend, actress Lena Dunham shared her experience with coronavirus. It started with achy joints, a headache behind the eyes, no taste or smell, an inability to breathe properly and an impossible crushing fatigue. A month later, she was diagnosed with clinical adrenal insufficiency and migranosis, aka a never-ending migraine. Lena's story is testament to the fact that this virus is presenting differently in everyone. While some describe it as the sickest they've ever felt, others don't present any symptoms at all. They're asymptomatic, and that's where one of the problems lies. There are people walking around our community completely unaware of the cases they're leaving in their wake. News updates like this... Clusters in Sydney are now rapidly spreading, with more venues forced to shut over virus fears. Three more businesses in Surrey Hills, Cabramatta and Marrickville are closed for deep cleaning after visits by people who've tested positive. While helpful, of course, are only fueling a culture of fear and blame. It's become such an issue, the World Health Organisation released a video in an attempt to combat the growing social stigma. Stigma can isolate people. It can drive people to hide their illness to avoid discrimination and can even prevent them from seeking medical care. So it is very important to avoid stigmatizing people. But that stigma is being felt in some countries more than others. In America, for instance, most people now sadly know someone who has had or has died from COVID-19. Marika Aubrey lives in New York City and contracted the virus very early on in late March. Back then, it was near impossible to even get a test if you were feeling unwell. For me, it manifested in what felt like a head cold. I felt like stuffy in the nose and I had a bit of a dry throat and I felt like I was getting a cold. And 
I wondered if I had it just because at that point the shutdown had just started here and one of my colleagues did test and they were positive and I work in an environment where it was pretty impossible for us to not all get each other's <laughs> germs. And from the company of 40 there were a few people who were very sick, some of us mildly ill, and then some people who were symptom-free, which kind of ties in statistically with how COVID travels around. But my husband had it far worse than I, so we were living together, obviously, in a um, small Manhattan apartment, and he presented with symptoms like a day or so after me, and his was much more of like a typical flu, and he was in bed and, you know, temperature up and down and just feeling really lethargic and horrible for a good sort of 10 days or so. We just thought, well, we've probably had it. Like, this is the thing that's going around and we were in New York in the hotspot and so we thought that was probably it and we're just grateful that we were okay. But it wasn't until I donated blood and I got a letter from the blood bank in New York saying, you've got the antibodies and would you mind coming in and giving us more convalescent plasma because you've got the COVID antibodies specifically. So when did you go and get this blood test? It was a good couple of months after I'd been ill. And so by that point you'd all recovered? Oh, yeah, 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 well and truly. And it was weeks later and I thought I'd donate blood sort of semi-regularly. And I went in and I was doing plasma that day just because that's what they needed. And I didn't realise that they were obviously testing it all. And that's when I got the letter to say that my plasma definitely had COVID (laughs) antibodies in it. You're getting cold quite regularly now, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's obviously a demand. The last time they rang me, they said that my one donation had helped six people. I was really impressed that they could give me that lovely statistic. (laughs) Yeah, it's nice to know that you're helping in some way. It's all what we want to do right now. That's right. So, yeah, when I go in now, it's under the banner of convalescent plasma, and that means plasma that specifically has these antibodies in it so that it can be used to help COVID patients. I want to talk about stigma because I feel like getting this virus, you know, we're all worried about getting it, but then once you get it, there's almost this like stigma attached to getting it. Did you feel that Mm. or feel any shame attached to having it? No, I mean, I really think, not to sound judgy, but I think that is more of an Australian thing than an American thing, to be honest. We've had, sadly and tragically, over 150,000 people die here. And because we live in New York, it was very prevalent at that time. So I certainly not in my peer group felt any shame or stigma I was almost relieved, to be honest, when I found out that I had the antibodies because it meant that that thing I'd had in March was COVID and I was on the other side of it. So I felt kind of happy that my body had had it and reacted so mildly and that it was sort of in my rearview mirror, so to speak. For people in Australia, they often don't know someone who's had it. So it's not a reality for them in the same way that it has been for me here. I know lots of people who've had COVID. I know a few people who have died from COVID. So I'm walking in a different reality, I think. To explain to you how rare a person Marika is in the scheme of this pandemic, only 1% of the people who've recovered from COVID-19 have had high enough levels of antibodies in their blood to be of use. They're also the people that are proving crucial in the development of a vaccine. Lara Heike is one of those people who got sick, but not really sick. She contracted the virus in England and got officially diagnosed when she touched down in Sydney in March. So I moved to London in January and lost a job, so I ended up deciding to come back home. I decided that because I was already sick in London, I was like, I want to just check if I have COVID-19. So I actually went to the hospital pretty much as soon as I arrived home from the airport. And yeah, two days later, I was confirmed positive. 
And in that time, I was obviously doing as much as I could to social distance and make sure that I wasn't going to get anybody else sick. And what did COVID-19 feel like for you? For me, it was actually kind of like a mild cold, to be honest. I get sick all the time. So for me, it was one of the most minor illnesses I've ever had. It was kind of like fever, a scratchy cough and chills, and then pretty much turned into more of a wet cough later down the track. I've, I've had way worse illnesses, so it wasn't it wasn't that scary. It was more scary after I was starting to get better because I was like not sure whether it was going to hit again and get worse, which is something that I'd heard did happen. You know, once you start getting better, that's when you actually get worse again. Did you feel supported by the Australian medical staff while you were feeling unwell? The doctors called me basically every day for the first two weeks I was in isolation and they were always making sure they said if there's anything that changes over time, give us a ring, go to the hospital, you know, make sure you're, you're feeling the best. And yeah, they were really nice. Gave me lots of tips for the future and tips for other friends who might get it. And uh, yeah, they definitely looked out for me a lot. Because this virus is only months old, no one knows how far into the future symptoms will endure. Some of the other more long-term side effects people have reported include things like inflammation of the heart, persistent shortness of breath, ongoing dizziness and even hallucinations. As Lena Dunham wrote on the weekend, this isn't like passing the flu to your co-worker. This is the biggest deal in the world right now. When you take the appropriate measures to protect yourself, you save them a journey nobody deserves to take with a million outcomes we don't yet understand. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Melanie Tate with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if you're stuck in Melbourne's stage four lockdown right now, we want to hear from you. Give us a call on the pod phone on 028999 9386 and fill us in on what's happening in your world.